Hi, Tom. Welcome back to uh, the podcast for another episode. How are we doing? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, glad to be back. Good, good. Yeah, I thought we'd get you back for uh, the review of No Time to Die. Obviously, we've just come off the back of our massive Bondathon. Uh, so I thought best person to ask to go and firstly see the film with and then go and review it would be your kind self. Yeah, um, first, first Bond we've watched together, isn't it? I know, it's a big, uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so today we're obviously going to talk about the film kind of in the same structure as we've talked about the other Bond films as well, looking at the, talk about the Bond theme, Bond girls, gadgets and all that stuff. So like we've done before, I just want to get your kind of initial reaction coming out to the film. Obviously, we did see it together. We had a brief chat about it. Um, We saw it on Saturday. It's now Monday at the time of recording this. So we've had a couple like a day or so to kind of digest some of it so since that time has passed then your initial thoughts on the film go walking out of the cinema i was absolutely buzzing and I was, I was so excited to see it in the first place like i think i said to you as i was driving to the cinema i was listening to bond themes <laughs> <laughs> yes just to really get in the mood um and i was so excited to see it and it did not disappoint and I wasn't it wasn't the film I was expecting at all um it was so much better and I had high hopes that it was going to be great Mm. um yeah obviously massive massive twist um which I wasn't expecting at all and and quite surprised actually that that happened um and quite surprised that I hadn't heard anything. I think mm. it's been quite well, quite well kept quiet, which is well, it's, good. It's probably a good point to say for anyone listening. We're going to go into spoiler territory, so if you haven't seen it, go and see it, then come back and listen to it. But yeah, we're definitely yeah. going to go into some full spoiler territory. So yeah, as you said, I'm so glad I kind of stayed away from social media. Although, even since seeing it, I haven't really seen anyone spoil, you know, the main uh, twists at the end of the film. Um, and the whole kind of climax of the film really which is I guess good Um, one thing I was quickly going to ask I know I said I think we probably discussed this already but I made a a real point of not watching any trailers any tv trailers any reviews anything at all ahead of this film Um, just because I wanted to go in completely blind completely um, yeah just fresh and not swayed by any reviews going in was that the same case for you and are you glad that you did that if you did yeah exactly the same i i'd seen the the scene where he jumps off the bridge probably 15 times because it's the first scene that any kind of just immediately skipped past it whenever i saw that um so that was that was literally it that's all I'd seen I'd not heard any reviews I'd heard nothing knew nothing about the film which I'm I'm really really glad about I don't I gen, generally don't like watching any trailers yeah and same. and I actually don't like that about the cinema is it forces you to watch trailers that are so often so detailed that you just feel like well why don't need to watch the film now just yeah. it does the opposite effect to me of what they're supposed to do it makes me feel like i'm you know there's no suspense in it often so yeah t- yeah very much glad that i didn't 
I knew nothing about it, just totally excited and yeah. um yeah, it paid off. I, I agree. It's I've have a real thing with trailers now. I think especially as the trailer itself tends to be like three minutes long when it's kind of condensing the film down into such a such a small package that is pretty much all there for you to just kind of process. And it kind of sets your expectations up in a way of where the film's gonna go. Um so not having any of that, you just you don't know where it's going to go. That's kind of the big excitement, I think. So I'm, yeah. I agree. I'm so, so glad I didn't watch anything to do with that um, because there were a few surprises, even minor surprises that I wasn't sure. I guess I thought maybe would would um, happen, but you're never 100 percent sure. But I think the only thing I knew was that the cast, perhaps, and obviously the kind of brief synopsis, but the synopsis was vague enough that you weren't really sure where it was going to go um okay so let's so let's dive in and unpack everything because there's quite a lot to to go through pretty much um so obviously start at the beginning so the intro itself it absolutely blew blew me away it's it's quite a breathtaking and quite a long intro by you know as in what happens before the title sequence compared to some of the other bond films it's a two three minute action scene and then you know get straight into it this was felt like 20 minutes 25 minutes before the the no time to die theme comes on so just want to get your thoughts on the intro first of all i'm conscious that it's a different setting to what we watched the the other bond films we didn't you know we watched this in cinema you couldn't pause it and make any notes so i've kind of feel like i've forgotten quite a few bits but for the intro for you what was what was your thoughts on that I thought it was brilliant and <clears throat> it's quite rare it's quite rare that the intro doesn't actually have bond in it mm. i think i'm sure it's, it has happened a couple of other times but i can't i can't actually remember what those films are but i'm sure it has happened at least once before where where it is a complete set piece that's nothing nothing to do with bond and is just telling a different part of the story um but yeah just <clears throat> just brilliant just was so interesting it totally drew me in it's it's almost sort of horror film-esque mm. in it in, in what happens and what it is um and yeah just I just thought it was brilliant so so almost beautifully filmed but terrifying and just emotions all over the place um yeah and yeah just thought it was absolutely great see that's the thing so the, so the intro if I remember rightly, the titles kick in when he puts her on the train, isn't it? So you've got that whole bit that leads up to that is when the titles comes in. But yeah, you're so right. That's, that's, that's true, actually. Yeah, because I, when the title started, I was like, fuck, are we not even, have we yeah. not even had this yet? I was kind of, yeah, I was confused because it does then cut to Madeline as a, you know, with Bond. And then there's that whole, mm. whole scene. It's, it's I don't know how long it is, but it must be like 20 minutes or something. Yeah, so I mean, it's, you know, I mean, obviously we knew going in, this was a long film, the longest Bond film as well, uh, two hours, 45 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, it was kind of, I guess it's a testament to the intro because I was so hooked in to what was going on and invested in what was going on. I kind of forgot that we hadn't even done, done the theme tune yet and the title yeah. sequence yet. So, but you're right, going back to right at the start, it feels like such a horror film, doesn't it? It's it's more of a thriller, 
in the line of something like Silence of the Lambs about, you know, this masked guy approaching this young girl as she's, you know, shoots his wife, which is quite brutal. I think this was a 12, wasn't it? That was quite quite a, an early brutal thing to put in. Yeah, yeah. And like it looks stunning as well, like she's trapped under the ice and, you know, um, it kind of ties into the original film. I think she mentions him. I was reading about it afterwards. I think she mentions the fact that her mum was killed in Spectre. Yeah. So this is kind of touching on that. And then we realise it's kind of her flashback, I guess, while she's swimming at the start of, um, near the start, just after that that bit. And then it comes into the whole uh, bonds with Madeline um, in Italy, I think it is, near the start. Yeah. And uh, they, uh, they're basically there for Bond to get some closure, isn't it, really, by visiting uh, Vesper's grave, which I thought was an absolute, a really nice touch, considering now... Now we know this is Daniel Craig's last film. This is the the other side of the bookend uh, to Casino Royale. And that's quite a good nod and look back to that film as well. So your thoughts just quickly on that bit, because I thought that was quite a nice, nice touch. Yeah, definitely. The, this whole, there's so much about On Her Majesty's Secret Service in this film. Yeah. Um, it's, it's played such a massive part in the film. And that, that whole, we've mentioned it so many times throughout all the podcasts, is that addressing the death of a woman he loved was completely missed following on from the Majesty's Secret Service, wasn't it? Yeah. On yeah. so many occasions that it just, this, this film just like kind of ticks a load of boxes of stuff that, you know, it's, it's, it's like a Bond nerd going back and fixing a load of wrongs that have happened in the past. So and true. just like, you know... Um, so I, I thought it was great. I loved, I loved that that reference to that and kind of, yeah, Bond finally. There's a lot of it throughout the film, really. It's a kind of a, the whole film is very much a change in Bond, isn't it? It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of, you know, yeah, it's, it is like the end of Bond. It's sort of Bond understanding himself and kind of just accepting things and yeah trying to move forward there's a lot of that I thought yeah I thought it was a brilliant idea a brilliant scene as well and yeah and then the action set piece that follows after it was yeah. fucking brilliant it's just non-stop isn't it I, the, the whole scene where uh Vespa's like mausoleum blows up like really actually made me jump it was kind yeah. of so, so unexpected and so early in the film still I was like I did not see that coming um and I think again there's probably something that the trailer might have alluded to perhaps i have since seen the trailer so you can kind of you know retrospectively you can see where the the things are meeting together but um yeah that was quite and then like you said as soon as that happens it's just non-stop from there for another it feels like 10 minutes or so yeah. great car chase um and another scene that really stood out is where he as this is all going on he assumes that madeline is the one that's betrayed him and he's already been betrayed by Vesper and, you know, he's been let down so many times that he's just kind of sick of it and bored of it and just, you know, upset by it all. And there's that scene where he's surrounded in the DB5 and this guy is just shooting the shit out of the, the bulletproof glass. And I'm thinking, that's going to break any minute. That is going to break. That is, is such a tense scene. 
and Madeline's screaming at him and he's just that emotionless like fuck it basically and um she eventually kind of sways him and he goes okay and then he just does this badass just <laughs> wheel spin machine guns like he knew at any second he's like i could get get rid of these guys but he just holds yeah. off for so long um yeah i don't know what you thought of that scene but yeah that was absolutely tense probably the most tense i've felt in a bond film for some time when there's some real sort of stakes to it yeah yeah definitely that i i fucking loved that whole car scene and that car chase mm. because they've taken the db5 the ultimate bond car yeah and made a proper modern awesome car driving action action set piece out of it just completely giving that amazing car the modern cinematic experience that that it just deserves and it, it was so good uh I, I think it's my favorite car chase car scene of any yeah. bond film i think it's taken it because it's it's just so fucking good mm -hmm. it is so good and uh, i i've been weighing it up in my head and i probably need to give it some time and i'm definitely going to see the film again um as to whether it is one of the best intros it's definitely up there as a whole yeah. set piece and to be fair to it there is just it's, it's a it's considerably longer than most of the bond intros but from a cinematic perspective and obviously again it all looks amazing as well like cinema yeah. cinematography is is fantastic uh, the setting is fantastic and just generally the whole thing is kind of like you, you just don't know where it's going and then it kind of that whole scene ends with bond putting madeline on the train and basically you won't see me again and five years has passed and it's like what what's going yeah. on like such a big space of time um yeah there's um the the audio in this film is brilliant and it's so immersive like whenever you know there's an explosion and there's just that kind of ringing and you can you can hear stuff going on but it's all muffled and it just mm. really draws you in to to how bond is feeling at that at that point and what he's just been through and stuff his ears are ringing and you can't really hear and you just you really you feel so immersed in it even though we watched it in you know standard we wasn't any 4dx bollocks or anything like that <laughs> was, but you really felt part of it and that that kind of continued throughout in those yeah in those situations as well it's brilliant but i remember yeah. i remember at the end of the intro when the theme started i was like i'm knackered like i, I felt <laughs> like i've just watched it, it felt like i've just watched like a brilliant short film yeah in itself it felt brilliant yeah i'd agree and it's kind of the good time to put the the theme song in because it's quite a we'll talk about the theme song now i guess but it's quite a low-key uh, you know minimal theme so it's kind of gets the pacing slows down a bit which i think is a good um opportunity to put it in after such an intense start so your thoughts on the theme so obviously the theme was released pre-covid i believe pretty sure it was maybe just before um so it's been around for a while honestly had since i'd initially listened to it it was one of those ones in my head it's like i see hearing it is one thing but seeing it and seeing it accompanied with a title sequence that you know is going to be incredible is are two different things to me so what are your thoughts on, I guess, the theme first and then the title sequence as well? I, I actually really like the theme. Mm. I think I actually, 
actually liked it as soon as I heard it. I thought, you know, I heard it was Billie Eilish. I'd heard people, you know, moaning about that fact so much. And I was like, okay, whatever, let's give it a chance. And I, I liked it straight away. I liked it. I thought, you know, it's it's a good song and it it's it is very bondy. Um yes. very Daniel Craig bondy. Um and and actually when it first started playing in the title sequence, I kind of didn't like it as much. Oh, okay. I almost I sort of felt, ah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know about this. Um but then as it built and the actual titles are brilliant absolutely love them i love the nods to dr no like i think you you pointed that out kind of how you know it's very reminiscent of dr. yeah no. it's got those like colored circles that is yeah, like just on the rings, initial yeah. basic intro of dr no which was a good yeah. nod yeah yeah it's cool um but yeah as it built as the song built with the with the titles yeah i really liked it i thought it was a, yeah, a great great title sequence i i thought these title sequences for all of Craig's films have been so, so good. Yeah. Like all very, really unique as well. Like you think of Casino Royale and he's using like the, the card suits as weapons, like throwing diamonds and stuff like that. It's brilliant. Quantum, you've got the sand, which is kind of the, you know, it's kind of its big setting, I guess. Spectre, you've got the octopus. Um, and then this one, the one that stood out, for, the bit that stood out for me, which I thought as a visual looked incredible was, the, the guns, like the Walther PPKs, I imagine, are all in the shape of like DNA helix. Yeah. Like, and it's like that fits in with the plot of the film that we obviously later find out. And and I just thought that's such, it just looks so, so good. Yeah. Um, that every single one has been fantastic. Um, and I'm, I'm the same with the theme. I think I first heard it and said, yeah, that sounds like a Bond theme. Billie Eilish, I was a bit, had a question mark over, but yeah it, i think it suits it really well and um as you it's quite a good noticeable um i guess jingle is probably the wrong word but you know a, a piece of music that plays throughout the film that is quite that works really well as well they, they tend to do that with the themes don't they they try to make it an orchestral piece of music that plays throughout as well which is yeah. which i really liked um I just want to talk quickly about the soundtrack in general then. So I've been a complete Bond nerd and kind of listened to the whole Hans Zimmer soundtrack since watching it. And I just think it's fantastic. There's so many yeah. uh, great uh, songs from it. I think um, the one that stands out for me is Final Ascent, which will probably cover what that plays against later on when we talk <laughs> about it. But as a piece of music, it's just absolutely exciting. And, I kind of forgot that Hans Zimmer was on board for this because, you know, he's probably one of, if not the most famous composer, film composers out there. Um, your thoughts on on the soundtrack, and um, obviously there's a lot of nods to on, on Her Majesty's Secret Service for that as well. So yeah, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought I thought the soundtrack was was amazing, yeah. um, and we have all the time in the world is. I was saying to you, I think that I've I've been listening to it a weird amount of times recently. Um, I don't I don't know why I had no idea it was in this film, mm. um, but I've been listening to it loads recently, and it's it's probably my favourite song from a Bond film. I 
didn't think it particularly worked as a theme, as a Bond theme. Yeah. But as a song that's from Bond um, or in Bond, it's it's definitely my favourite song. And the way it's used in this is just, oh, when it cuts to the DB5 and that song plays, it's yes. like, fuck me. It's, it's reminiscent, actually, to... Um, to a scene in the Italian job um, where he's driving an Aston Martin around the Italian Alps. And oh yeah. Um, at the start. It's, yeah. It's Matt Monroe is playing, but it's, you know, similar kind of that lovely music and that scene and that, that Aston Martin um, just reminded me of that. And that's probably my favorite film of all time. So love that. Nice. Um, oh, yeah. The music was just so good and the way it's like repeated throughout and stuff. And even, even the music behind that is used um, throughout, but yeah, Hans Hansen is just fucking quality. Isn't so, it? <laughs> so, so, so good. Um, okay, let's kind of jump around the categories then and uh, talk about that. So I guess the first thing, one of the categories we can talk about is the villain or villains in the film. Um, so we've got Rami Malek um, as the kind of main villain in this. Um, and but Blofeld also makes an appearance, which I I'm going to start first of my thought. I I think one of the negatives of the film is the use of Blofeld, and to the point where I don't think he should have even been in the film. I think if there's anything to cut, it would be him. Um, scenes leading up to that are great. Like we'll cover the Cuba scene at the party, which I think is great. Um, I just feel like he didn't really add anything and was killed off quite pathetically. And considering he is, in my book at least, and I think probably most people's book, he's the Joker to. I'm sure I said this as well on the on the podcast as well. He's the Joker to Bond's Batman. He is his arch nemesis. And throughout this these whole five films, it's never felt like that at all. He's kind of a sub character or a sub villain. Um, so covering just Blofeld first, then did you feel the same of that or did that not phase you as much? Definitely. I thought, I thought, you know, keeping, keeping Blofeld alive in Spectre and then bringing him back in this film was an opportunity to have Blofeld as a full blown villain, but he wasn't, he was just a secondary character who, who firstly was just easily done over by Staffin, um, Malik's character, who we'll, we'll cover, um, just completely done over by him. And then Bond accidentally kills Blofeld. Like, that, that for me just, this, yeah, the whole, I think the plot and the baddies is the things I've brooded over over the last two days. And yeah, and yeah I just, I, I didn't like it at all. And Christoph Waltz is a brilliant character. I think he played Blofeld brilliantly. I just think they just fucked it up the way the way they use that character. And, you know, he's in prison and he's doing a load of stuff from prison. Sure, you couldn't have broken him out of prison because that's, you know, just totally ripped off of Skyfall. But mm. he could have been a villain in a different way um, and much more of a villain. And I think he should have been the one, the only villain in this. Yes, well, well, I I think we should have only had one villain. I agree with that. I so think you don't you're, have I, two major villains. Yeah, no, you either but stick. Also, but Sorry, to your 
to your to your kind of that is his arch nemesis, the Joker to to Batman. Blofeld, there is no villain bigger, and they've made Staffin easily just defeat Blofeld and you know just kill Blofeld's entire operation and just yeah. No, that that doesn't happen. And who the fuck even is Staffin? <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I I think they should have just picked one. They could. They should have made. They should have just either just forgot about Blofeld for this completely, and maybe just had a subtle nod at some point in the film that he was still out there. You know, given you know if if the next James Bond actor, um, carries on the same sort of plot lines or. You know, like Judy Dench continued on with into Craig from Brosnan. If they did that, you could use Blofeld again in that context, perhaps. But they kind of brought him back. You, you didn't really see him. The only time you saw him was when he slowly <laughs> come like creeps forward in that cage, which seems to take forever. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, the other thing that I really didn't like is this stupid bionic eye. Like, and half the like villains having this bionic eye. I. I I don't know. I wasn't as as keen on that, uh, especially when it's like you turn. There was a scene where um, I think his name's Lucas Ash. I know his surname was Ash, and you, the the camera cuts to him, and one of his eyes is just like this donkey eye, <laughs> and you re- and you realise it's this bionic eye, and he's the bad guy. I just thought that was kind of funny, and it shouldn't have been. Um, yeah. Considering the whole one of the main things for the craig's films was to go away from the over-the-top gadgets this seems to have been you know if you look back to kissing a out there was no gadgets you know i think it was and in skyfall it was just they made a point of saying you know we don't go in for exploding pens anymore and then cut to this and you've got a a bionic eye that you can see you know communicate with people across the world and see what's going on i i didn't buy that so Blofeld was was ruined I think in this film and unfortunately that is one of the sour points of this is I think we could have just cut them out um, completely um, so going to Safin then as I, I'm going to say is the main villain in this then well, yeah he, he obviously is uh, what are your thoughts on him I mean you mentioned him as that you know at the start it's kind of a horror-esque feel to it um, what do you think of him uh, overall um yeah i guess <clears throat> the blofeld is the only sort of tie to safin i guess mm. that's, that's sort of why why he's in it um it, it's all just a bit confused but yeah safin i think is played very well by malik but i think as a villain he's a bit dull the whole story around him is just completely random um and i know i know that's often a bond thing is you just have to sort of go with it because nothing ever makes sense but but the craig era films do make sense a bit more um just a bit random and just so unimaginative as a villain and why again facial scars like there's a villain Give him facial scars. There, there you go. That's that that makes a villain. Like all, all of them have have facial scars in in the Craig films, and it's like, can't you just think of anything different to have about this person to make them unique? 
Um, yeah. And, and you've got Blofeld in the same fucking film, who's the most iconic facial scarred villain mm. of all time. So, so true. Very true. <laughs> what are you doing? Mad. Um, and I don't, I don't really, this is kind of bordering on the plot thing, but I don't understand his objective because it starts off that he's, you know, he's getting revenge against Spectre for killing his family. Okay, that's fine. Now he's, what, wants to kill the majority of the planet? Mm. Where did that come from? What's the, what, what, why? What, what changed him? How did he go from this one guy trying to kill one man to now having an army and an island? Absolutely no idea. Seems to have absolutely no kind of business or, or evil empire behind it. How does he even know about any of this blood stuff that's happening? Yeah. How does he? It just doesn't make sense. And then he, <laughs> he saved Madeline fucking years ago. And now suddenly he's in love with her and obsessed with her and wants to keep her on an island. Since when? When? How did what? When did all that happen? Yeah, because they've not, as you know, you there's that obviously massive gap in time from when she was a kid to now. Um, the assumption is that they've not seen each other since then because she doesn't recognize him, does she? When he walks into she walks into the what she's yeah. psychoanalyst, therapist, something like that. Um and yeah she doesn't recognize him until he explains you know uh, no she opens the box and there's the mask inside and that's when she's like twigs um so you're right there's there is this infatuation maybe he's just looking from the sidelines perhaps i don't know but you know why why now why not what earlier i i had a similar thing with the plot i think i kind of liked the nanobots as a thing as an idea to get bond um as I guess like a modern thing rather than nuclear rockets are coming and they don't, they still come in the film, but it's usually stop a rocket before it launches. So that's something different. I thought rather than that, it was, you know, uh, an actual sort of toxin, I guess, that was going to infect people by touch, which I thought was, was different perhaps than generic bonds. I would agree that I think Safin isn't going to be a bond villains name. You're going to remember later down the line in maybe another couple of years time. Well, I think you remember like Le Chiffre, which I know is a returning villain from the original Casino Royale and in the book. I think you'd, I think you, I personally would remember Silver um, and, you know, as a, as a fantastic villain, probably the best villain in the Craig films actually. Um, yeah. But he is kind of a bit co- um cut and paste from other villains he very much reminds me of dr no in his demeanor he's quite softly spoken and he lives on an island and he kind of dresses like him um yeah i am kind of with you with the the um facial disfigurement i guess because it's never even explained i don't believe um it's kind of he just turns up and that's that's what we as the viewer think okay so he's the villain because of that and there's probably a trope we're just used to from the Bond films because that's what they do. Um, but I, I don't think... I, it's a shame because his performance is really good. I just yeah. don't think it's written that well or his his look isn't unique enough to make him stand out. Yeah. Um, so it's just... Which is a shame, but I don't think, for me at least, that sours the film too much. I think there's a lot more... A lot of other things going on. 
that counter that massively. Um, one thing I, I I made a note of from memory was when he just randomly. Well, actually, no, we'll, we'll come to that in a moment, actually, because we'll, we'll go over that in a bit more detail. But the going back to Blofeld is, I thought about this today. Why has he waited five years to suddenly come after Bond? Because five years has passed. And then it's like, yeah, let's try and kill Bond and get him to the, the meeting. There's probably a plot point I missed in the film. I know, I've only seen it once. Give me a break. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm sure he'd be, you know, scouring the earth, trying to get Bond killed after, you know, putting him in prison. But anyway um so that's the villains um yeah. i think so the plot, the yeah, plot in general then what's your uh i i well i guess first things up front plot isn't what i'm there for for a bond film it's everything around it that facilitates the plot i guess um i i'm more i was more interested in more of the emotional side of the plot so the stuff with Madeline and I guess we can talk about it now, but the big reveal of daughter, it was, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was much more invested in that and what that means because watching it fresh was like, this is new grounds. How is Bond going to react to finding out he's a father? Um, and all the things that come with that. We've both recently become fathers to girls as well. So we kind of had that, um link i guess to the film which yeah maybe got an emotional attachment perhaps um definitely, definitely. But, but yeah exactly so that so that side of it loved it absolutely brilliant and i loved i love there's one thing actually we'll come on to bungos in a minute i guess but i much i felt one of the things i didn't like about spectre is i felt that um madeline and bond's love interest was really forced and wasn't didn't feel any chemistry whatsoever that seems to have done a 180 here and in that intro i felt that straight away they felt more of a a couple that were in love like you know on her majesty's secret service where they also had that same chemistry so it's it's weird how that's just kind of overridden everything i thought from spectre and they kind of just felt genuine now um so yeah i guess that side of the plot the emotional side of it loved it the more um world domination plot involving the villains in, including the villains and the whole specter piece i thought in hindsight was a bit messy i think the cuba scene it's also with the russian scientist guy and it's like how is this all there's a lot going on there's a lot of moving parts that probably on a second watch um process better i mean it was just overwhelming i think it probably doesn't help that i did have to take a piss break because <laughs> i necked two pints before we walked before we even sat down pretty much um but i probably took a strategic we just at the right time what at least that's what you told me i didn't really miss yeah. anything um but i feel like really in a nearly three hour long film you really need to be on your game as to paying attention to what everyone's saying about exposition and where they're going to and who they're seeing next and who's doing what there's a lot of that going on um thoughts of that the same on that or it sounds like you were a minute ago but yeah i think i, I like the nanobots thing i think it's different um I like the idea of yeah this kind of dna targeted weapon very very clever um weirdly this was written and created pre-covid but yes the 
the similarities between COVID in, in this kind of infectious thing that, you know, if, if it's targeted your DNA, it's also going to target your family. And it's kind of this whole thing of, you know, you can't see your, you know, if you get it, you can't see your family and like kind mm. of you'll kill your pill everyone. And um, yeah, I thought it was, it's a good, it's a good device, isn't it? To, to yes. make a lot of stuff happen and um, a lot of action around it. Um, yeah, certain things don't really add up, but I think it's fine. I totally agree. It's, it's all about the emotion. It's all about the people in this. Um, and yeah, totally agree with the, the Madeline as well. She, I've read some reviews since who aren't particularly, don't really buy the, the Madeline relationship still, but, but I definitely do. And I think that's because of the change in Bond in this and his sort of yeah. much more sentimental, much more sort of, he's out, isn't he? And he's happy. He is out fully. He's not MI6 anymore. He he is out. Um, and that's what he wants. And you really believe that. Um, and then that, that relationship then makes sense. It's not the <clears throat> Paloma, Anna Dianos' character is so much more personality and um just yeah just so much more charismatic and so much more about her so much more fun but you can just you can tell and really believe that bond would choose madeline over paloma in this situation because he's not he's different now (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree and i think she is a, a character that's been caught up in this. She's not a part of it, you know, not willingly anyway. Her father is the one that's that got her into this whole sort of mess and the whole reason she's met with Bond, I guess. So she's she's kind of never really involved in any of the um, plots that are going on. She just purely gets caught up in it. And I think that's one thing he probably sees perhaps in her is that she's, if he was to retire, which is obviously what he does at the end of Spectre and at the start of this, they can kind of go away and no one's looking for her is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, just felt, I don't know what, and again, second watch might pinpoint some of this better, but they just, it just felt like such a genuine relationship, which the last one didn't feel at all. Like I remember there was a point where she says, I love you like really early on in like in the fact that they've met and I was just like I don't believe that don't believe it whatsoever but in this I really do and I know time has passed since then um but they definitely feel like they've been together for some time so yeah I, I think she's I think that she's really good and it's quite good as well to kind of have that kind of sequel you know leading on from Spectre as well which is very 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 rare in Bond films in general um so yeah I and you know, we got to see him deal with a previous uh, Bond girl in Vespa and how that works. I, again, I don't think that's ever been addressed either of another, a one Bond girl addressing the fact that another Bond girl exists in his life, I think is quite an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of gone on to the Bond girls now. We've kind of mentioned uh, Madeline. Um, before we go on to the other Bond girls, anything else you wanted to mention on her? Um. I, th- I think she's great. I think she is a great character, actually. I think um, she is that that classic damsel in distress almost character. Um, but it's just it's just brilliant. Yeah, she's mm. and just 
it's different about her you know you see at the beginning she takes the gun and and shoots shoots him multiple yeah. times and then there's another scene later on which is a fucking unbelievably brilliant action piece that that norway kind of woodland oh, woodland scene um and again she like guns down the guy and he just like you kind of you kind of get her because she's yeah she's fucked up isn't she mm. but it doesn't never really says that she's completely fucked up but she is and you just you totally believe her as a character and just her demeanor and everything and yeah yeah great. and I, I, you get to see her again another bond girl trope that probably hasn't been don't think has been explored at all is the fact that she's a mother in this as well she's a protective mother as well as bond's lover um you know it really comes across that she feels like a mum to uh matilda uh, in the film as well so that's a quite an interesting dynamic it just towards the end of the film that on top of everything else that's also going on so uh, yeah i think leah sadu did a really good uh, really good job in this um next bond girl you mentioned anna diamas I thought she was absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. th- albeit very brief, absolutely stole the, the scene. When she's, whenever, whenever she turned up, she just stole the show for me. Um, the only thing, the only strange thing I thought was she comes across as kind of the, at, when you first meet her as the ditzy Bond sidekick. Oh, I've only been here for three weeks and I don't really know what I'm doing then turns into an absolute badass. I was like, I feel like you've been doing this more than three weeks. Um, but hey, here we are. Um, she looks absolutely stunning. I think we awkwardly looked at each other and just gave a brief <laughs> nod when she came on screen, which pretty much said it all, I guess. Um, um, yeah, she's great. There's a really good, this is probably going into nerd territory, there's a really good shot where they're all lying on the floor and it's like a bird's eye view shot and she's shooting the guys that rule it also yeah. on the floor. That I thought that was absolutely and so good. Yeah, in, in a in an action scene that is kind of relatively throwaway, that was a, a great cinematic choice. I thought it was really cool. hadn't seen that before. Um, thought it was a really good touch. And and she just yeah, like I said, stole the show. If my hot take is it a hot take? I'll say it anyway. My hot take would be if they ever decided to do a spin-off for Bond is with her. She should start her own, you know, if they're doing a female-led Bond spin-off thing, do it with yeah. her. She could do that. She could do all that stuff. She had a really charismatic, fun character that we didn't get to see. I think a lot from what I've seen and, and people I've spoken to, that was a standout point for them is that she was so good. So do a TV series with her in the Bond world somehow. I think I think it'd do really well. But yeah, your thoughts? Definitely, definitely agree with that. Don't don't make James Bond 007 a woman. Make her her own spy franchise, and I'll fucking watch every single one of them as long as she's playing the character. (laughs) Hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah, she's brilliant. I'm I'm gutted she wasn't in it for longer. I didn't Mm. or didn't come back at some point because I thought she's just. She was just great, just so like hilariously funny. Like, um, she's she's number one Bond girl for for looks wise. Fuck me, Jesus, <laughs> can't even cope. Um, the chemistry between them was brilliant. Um, I thought it was it was like proper. I don't know. They they just it just worked so well. I mm-hmm. think 
just this like comedy back and forth between them and it just seemed so comfortable and and real it was just it was just great um better i think actually their their dynamic than than bond and madeline even though that was that was great i think yeah there was something so natural about it and I don't know. They obviously knives out. They obviously got on very well in that. And so yeah, I think he, she, Daniel Craig's the reason she's in the film because of knives out. I think he, mm-hmm. you know, basically said get her in the film somewhere. So, yeah. so yeah, you can definitely tell there was a chemistry between them probably off screen because when they're bantering between each other about drinks and stuff like they get a drink mid sh- shootout and they're just <laughs> like yeah, fancy a whiskey like yep yeah, okay and then carry on. It's, it's just so good, so yeah, so good. Yeah, brilliant. And the way she necks her martini as well. She's just like glugging it back and he's looking at her like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I. the one thing for me is Madeline's out of the picture at this point. And, you know, it's still Bond and he's in Cuba. And she's mm. super hot and she's a badass. Come on, let him fuck. <laughs> you know? You've got, you've got to... You, why why not? Why not have Bond shag the fucking super hot Cuban ass kicking fucking agent girl? Why not? Why 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 does it have to be that with the times? You know? You're cheering done. him on to get to get laid in yeah, the, in the, right. in the cinema. Like, come on, you let you let Bond have a drink every 10 minutes. Like he's a raving alcoholic. Let him let him shag her. I want I want the the shagging scene come on why why didn't we get it why it's a 12 we it's a 12 mate chill out <laughs> have you seen fucking roger moore's films mate? <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus no so yeah uh, yeah brilliant but oh poor daniel craig in me fuck me they're probably too good of mates to, and it'd be too awkward to do it oh that's probably, what, yeah. that's what then, I'm telling myself then it would have been hilariously funny just this like awkward <laughs> awkward funny sex scene rather than proper sleaze that they always are they could have just had this they could have just got bollocks afterwards absolutely shit faced and had this like <laughs> fucking rum fueled shag fest <laughs> <laughs> I feel like yeah <laughs> it's a different kind of film you want to watch mate <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. I think I've yeah. Yeah. I think we should make into my yeah into your mind. psyche. Um, <laughs> so I guess the other uh, main Bond girl in this is Nomi, which is kind of one of the things I think kicked up some controversy because in the trailer, which I've kind of obviously didn't watch but found out afterwards, is that they mentioned that she's the new 007, which she does do in the film. Um, yeah. And they're making a point of saying women's going to replace 007, but never felt any of that thread going through the film whatsoever. It was just, you know, like any job, you've been dis- you've disappeared for five years. We're going to give your job to someone else. Um, 007 is just a kind of a title, isn't it? Or a code name or whatever. And we gave it to someone else. Sorry. Um, that's just how it is. And that's it feels plausible. Um and they kind of make it kind of a, a gag in the film is, you know, Bond's back now. So is he 007? Because he was the original one. And, you know, we thought he was dead and he's not dead or, you know, he's not returning, whatever. And they have this kind of banter between them about, so who's 007? Is it me or is it Bond or whatever? And it just reminded me of um, 
uh, Barbara Back's character in Spy Who Loved Me. They've kind of got this same level of uh, expertise, although Bond is older, um, that they're kind of one-upping each other. And it goes back to that Cuba scene as well, where she's trying to steal the Russian scientist guy, and Bond is one step ahead and managed to get away with him uh, as well. So there's this real good dynamic as well as another type of Bond girl that we've seen throughout the films. It feels like every Bond girl trope is in this film. You've got the ditzy um, uh, kind of badass one with Anna Diarmas. You've got the real love interest that he's uh, head over heels in love with in Madeline. And you've got the like, total badass who almost on par with Bond in Nomi as well. So it pretty much covers all bases. Um, but the only thing I would say is I don't think she, it's probably because she doesn't get as on as much on screen time as the well uh, definitely not as more, more than Anna Diarmas, but not as much as Madeline she doesn't quite have the charisma to match some of the other characters I'd say I think she performs really well but I guess maybe that's kind of her role in the film she's much more of a soldier you know taking orders and, and carrying on and doing what she's told kind of so maybe it fits into that but it's not, I, I did have to look up the name afterwards, I think. Um, I think because they mentioned her as 007 quite a lot. I wasn't, I didn't perhaps hear, I thought it was Naomi for some point, but it's Nomi. Um, but I, I don't think she was bad. I just don't think she perhaps stands out as some of the other Bond girls that have gone before. But what are your thoughts on on her as a character? Yeah, I agree. I think she was, she was good. She's very much the sort of um, the line towing kind of agent. Um, and yeah not not overly charismatic but I think you're right I think that is the character but I I wonder actually whether whether she would have been better as a henchman as a villain okay um, instead of it's Primo is the kind of Cyclops Cyclops henchman I wonder whether actually that would have been better because there's a lot of there's a lot of women in this film um, and yeah, maybe maybe I think she would have been good as a as the henchman instead. It's almost, almost like uh, on a top from Goldeneye. <clears throat> yeah, it could have been a good a good um, double cross from her if she was to working with Blofeld or Malik at some point. That, yeah, that's a good point. Um, it all seems to be on Bond's side. You could have had a a female villain in there as well to cover yeah. that side of it of the story as well. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, I guess there that's the Bond girls. Um, just a quick reference to some of the other characters. But it was good screen time for Q, M, and uh, Money Penny in this. Um, they all get they're all there, and we all get to see them help Bond in different ways. Um, I love the scene between Bond and M, where Bond basically says, "Has has this desk got bigger? Or have you got smaller?" I just thought it was like an absolute, you know, Bond's back and winding up M situation, which I thought was brilliant. Um, Ralph Fiennes is just fantastic as M. He's just completely, it's almost like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's almost like Judy Dench. I've forgotten that Judy Dench was part of this franchise. He's only in, he's officially M for what, two and a bit films, isn't he? He's at the end of Skyfall, but he's really come into his own as M as a character. Um and Judy Dench is kind of, although she's obviously done the Brossens as well, it's kind of history. I like that they made, there was a quick nod to her. There was a painting of her, wasn't there, yeah, in the film, yeah, like, which was quite I, good. I like that. Yeah, that was very good. That was good. Um, 
And I think and some of the um, some of the, I think most of the M's were were on the wall as well. Yeah, I, I noticed. Uh, well, I've read that afterwards. To be fair, I didn't notice it watching the film. They're not. Um, they're not like it's directly on Judy Dench, isn't it? Um, yeah. But you can see at the side there are this other M's as well, which was. I liked. I like that. I love yeah. those little Easter egg nuggets. Oh mate, all those stuff. It's lapping it up. Is yeah. I was trying to hopefully find some sort of clip that someone's found all the references that probably went past us. I'm sure we yeah. got most, most of long. them, but yeah, Maybe. exactly. But I'll definitely see it again and keep an eye out for that for sure. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the character stuff. Um, I'll just talk about some of the other sort of action set pieces. So you mentioned the Norway car chase slash fun in the woods bit which i think was was really again really good i mean again another bond trope is that they just traveled the world and do all these set pieces across the world so you've got that amazing car chase at the start you've got that um great kind of shootout kind of getaway in cuba as well which i know we've kind of briefly talked about but thought was a really good scene um and that Norway scene is is fantastic as well. It's just how it changes from this open landscape where they're in those like Range Rovers, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Traveling around, he's flipping them over left, right, and center, and then just hides in this woods. I thought was really cool. Kind of using the woods as a as a weapon against the cars. Like there's that really good scene where there's just I think it's just a tree falling down, and but the, the car that's driving can't see it and goes to run Bond over and just like completely twats it over the, really? over the over the top and bonds just shoots them shoots them straight dead it's brilliant um any of the other we'll come on to the climax so we'll cover that separately is there any other things you want to mention about the set pieces in the film um yeah i think that was that was the main well there's there's so many it's it's, it's so action-packed i need to watch it again because i'm sure i'm forgetting some of them um because it's full on um but yeah that that whole scene that whole Norway woodland scene was just mm. just awesome just absolutely loved it um yeah the car action pieces in this are I, I love I love a James Bond car action piece and I, this just has like two of the best easily yeah um, yeah so good it's really it's so atmospheric isn't it and it's a big part of this film I find actually, which I don't know whether I like or not, but it's very, you mentioned about um, Nomi as kind of being a soldier. Mm. It's very, Bond is very soldiery in this. Right, yeah. Not, not very kind of suave spy man Bond. He's very, he's kind of the ultimate of, of the Craig Bond character as just hard man army and yeah. a lot of the action scenes are very much almost sort of call of duty-esque right yeah gunning people down and very much kind of machine guns and stuff like that not not really that much of a sort of tux wearing Walter the ppk bond yeah at all. he was a grunt with a fucking machine gun killing fucking everyone yeah. um badass Almost more more SAS than MI6, maybe. Oh, um, that's a good line. I like that. I did definitely towards the end because he's he is more of a SWAT guy, isn't he? Where he's got the machine gun properly looking down the, the scope and stuff like that. Whereas other Bond films, it's him running around a lair with just like you said, a 
a pistol a wolf of ppk or whatever so it is a different kind of look at bond but i don't think it deters from him i think that's just him i guess make him making it his his own thing and switching it on if he needs to be military bond he can and if he wants to be you know the other side of bond he can as well yeah. it seems to work him quite well but it, i agree it's probably felt more like that than maybe any of the other bond films that he's done thinking about it so yeah it's a good point good observation actually um yeah i think the other set piece which i did forget and just remembered again just briefly the fact that felix lighter dies i mean yeah. fuck um yeah i did have, i did have to go back and realize he's only in two of the films he's only in uh casino and quantum i don't think he's in spectre or skyfall but that being said He's still a, a big thing in the sense Felix Leiter has been a character on and off throughout the whole franchise, way dating back way, way back to, to Doctor No. Um, yeah. So for a side character to be killed off like that for, in a big franchise like this is, is, a, is a big deal, really. Um, he's, the, he's the character who's been played by the most different actors, isn't he, Felix? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the recurring character, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think there's even a point where a guy... Uh, I, I can't remember the actor's name. I'm sure he was Felix Leiter. Then someone else took over, and then he went back and was Felix Leiter again. I'm sure, maybe that's wrong, but I'm sure I read that somewhere. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a that was the sign of things to come, I guess, where things were just going to go down from there. But um, that he died, um, almost reminiscent of how Vesper dies as well, kind of sinking yeah. down. Um, in the what is it like a tanker i guess um just like she does in in venice as well which i thought maybe wasn't intentional but i certainly straight away was like that's very reminiscent of that that scene um so yeah there's some really it doesn't hold up this film as in it doesn't pause very much it is it's pretty much non-stop which is good for a film that lasts two hours 45 minutes i'd never well i never checked my phone i never thought yeah you know got a bump uh, a numb bum or anything like that I, it was just non-stop um so there's probably things we've missed because it, it did feel like it whizzed by a rapid rate but there's certainly those were the the main sort of standout points for me um so let's let's go to the climax then so you know as a classic bond film it goes to bond villain has an island somewhere that is you know not on a map and that's where we go and uh classic sort of shootout really um a couple of things i made a note of that i thought were really good um small things i guess um there's a small scene where i think it's towards the end um where he's after malik and <laughs> someone throws a grenade down and he throws a grenade up and then like six <laughs> grenades come down for fuck's sake. Um, but then it leads into this, it, I, I think it was, but I'd have to watch it again. It was like a, a one take scene up the stairs and they follow Bond for, I don't know, maybe five, six minutes of him just dealing with various people on the stairs, all in this one shot. I'm, well, it certainly felt like it anyway. And it's almost like, I don't know if you've seen Atomic Blonde, there's a similar scene in that where... Um, uh, Charlize Theron is fighting people up the stairs and it reminded me of that but I just said that was so good as well how he's like you know getting blown up by a grenade one minute and he's dodging people and then he kills the guy with the 
with the um, his EMP on his watch, which was probably certainly the only one line I could remember where he says, I showed yeah. Q, I showed him your watch and uh, it blew his mind. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's just nodding along like a grinning like a bulldog yeah. in, in the cinema. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I thought the climax, and I guess we'll cover the big reveal of the daughter as well, but I'm just going to throw it to you then on your thoughts of kind of the last sort of third act, I guess, of the film. Yeah, I think it's um, it's great. I love... I do love that he has an island and he's got a layer and I, I like that they they make it more more of a Bond film by doing that and got these ridiculous kind of poison farms and stuff and it's mm. it's yeah but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem ridiculous in the film though and I don't yeah. know whether it's because it's a Bond film it's fine but it doesn't seem ridiculous um, but it is ridiculous. There's a there's a poison farm on an island owned by this maniac guy, and there's like all the people who work there are just very oddly sweeping ponds and stuff, and it's all it's all brilliant. It's just you know it's reminiscent of so many other. I, other I always I always think with that like how did you apply for that job? Where would you put your CV? <laughs> like is it just word of mouth? Like I I just need someone to, to just tidy up the lair. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, go. On. Um, and yeah, act the action scenes are are fucking brilliant. Really, really like it. And I think back to that kind of immersive thing. You just you're so you really are immersed in it. And I think that's why it kind of often really good kind of action scenes like that remind me of computer games because mm. you just feel part of it and you really feel like like you're alongside that that character. Um, and I love there's one there's one scene where he turns he's walking along a tunnel and he turns around and shoots a guy straight away and it's it's it is the gun barrel scene but kind of recreated in this in this tunnel which is yeah I loved it I loved that little yeah his last one as well his last one it would have been wouldn't it yeah yeah Yeah. I love that as well it was just like an intentional spin, like the spin he does is just exactly like the intro, which is thought was yeah, really good touch. Yeah. Loved it. Um and yeah, the whole the whole build-up in that final scene as well with um Madeline and um his daughter Matilda. Matilda, yeah. Um and yeah, it's great and how they how they kind of separate them and play play bond against like both of them and um just brilliant just yeah so enjoyable and like, like you said just didn't the whole film didn't feel as long as it was at all no definitely not um so i guess so yeah just quickly on the daughter thing i i thought that was such an interesting dynamic that has obviously never been touched on at all in the franchise and there's a really good scene where he's i think uh, so madeline and the daughter are with him and nomi comes over and so it's like you know i killed all the people in this room or whatever and he goes oh oh this is my family and he kind of mouths family i thought that would just says everything about him he's like i'm still processing this i'm still processing i'm a father um but he kind of kind of you get to see him as a father sort of or trying to be a father for the first time you know obviously he's only just found out or at least he's trying to figure out if he actually is because i think they make a point saying it's not yours but it is like there's the scene where he just 
you know, she wants some breakfast. The, the daughter wants some breakfast, and he just cuts up an apple, and it's like, here you go. And it's like he's never had to do something like that for someone else before or, or a child. So I thought things like yeah, that yeah. is probably, and also there's probably as much as I could do for my daughter's breakfast as well. <laughs> Here's an apple, just help yourself. Yeah. Um, I love how he's like, he's, he's like, how is it? She's like, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's dead proud of himself. Like, I've just yeah. done my first dad job. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I just, I, that is so, it's so interesting. I, I, I weighed up in my head that if Bond, if Craig was to do another one and they did that sort of later down into the next film, like, would that be an interesting dynamic? I'm not sure. I know they did something like that with the Die Hard films. I know in Die Hard 4, they, his daughter grew up and she became part of the film. I know he's not as big a character as perhaps as Bond, um, but it's, it's a new territory. And I, I praise franchises for being bold and doing stuff like that to kind of step away from the you know what's expected and go right this is gonna this is a bit of a game changer now like he's never been a father before um so that dynamic was obviously short-lived and we'll come on to that in a moment but um i i just thought that was interesting that was one of the big plus points for me is that we've never seen this before and to see him kind of show what he would be like as a father i thought was quite was quite interesting um yeah, so I guess we'll come to the sort of big climax of Bond is dead. Um, yes. I really didn't see it coming, I guess. Um, I know, you know, I knew going in that this was Craig's last film. I'd seen bits about that. and But I never really thought, oh, he will die in this film. I just assumed, you know, like Brosnan and Connery and Moore and Dalton and before and Lazenby before. It would just be someone else and you know it goes off usually on the sea in a fucking like rubber dinghy <laughs> and the blonde titles rolled as he's snogging some woman i just thought it'd end like that like they all do but no he's he's bloody dead yeah. mate um what's your thoughts on that and i know that was obviously the thing we walked out of the cinema of kind of jaws on the floor like oh wow they've they've really done it now you've kind of had some time to process it and what that means for the franchise what are your thoughts on that fact um i'm still torn by it yeah but right now i think i'm okay with it i think i'm okay (laughs) (laughs) um and i think that's i think it's right actually with the way that they'd built craig's character and, you know, Casino Royale was the very beginning of Bond. Yeah. And they very much treated Daniel Craig's Bond tenure as the progression of Bond. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's only right, actually, that they, that they finished Bond. And they, you know, that's just... If you, if you think of how different various Bonds are... It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. They're all telling their own story of a different flavor on Bond, yeah. and actually, Daniel Craig's character was very much. It very much made a huge point of the fact it is a timeline, mm-hmm. and a lot of time has passed between this film and Casino Royale, and they they make a point of that huge time frame passing, because you know Vesper's not in Casino Royale you weren't led to believe that there was a massive age gap. Mm. But you look at the grave and she was, I think, 23 or something. 
Oh, okay. I didn't figure that, but yeah. So, so if she's 23, then they're talking about him as an old man. So it really does prove that it is, you know, Bond's entire life is told through Craig's mm. Craig's Bond. So I think it's I think it's right that they that they killed him off. And I think yeah, it was it was so, you know, frog in your throat, oh, ear jerking, emotional, that whole that whole lead up to it. And you know, people say I've read some reviews and stuff, and people's complete opposite view of of the fact they've killed off Bond. Um saying, you know, he he gave up Madeline for however long anyway, and he got rid of her before, and it's just another woman, and you know, Bond doesn't doesn't care. Um and people saying, well, he's only just found out he's got kids. So, you know, he's Bond. He, he could push that away. And, and you know, there's the other thought of there's no cure, but come on, they would find one. They'd find a way to take it right. out, whatever. But, but actually, it's, it's the alternative ending of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, isn't it? Mm. It's, he's chosen them over him. And he's decided that, kind of I've been thinking a lot into it and you know there's some quotes from um, Goldeneye where 006 says to him like if you do all those martinis silence the screams of all the men you've killed yeah. and like, all of this stuff around you know the women that you didn't save and blah 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 and it's kind of for me it was almost Bond like processing this he needs to do something good and he that's what he's going to do is sacrifice himself to save the woman he loves and his child and it doesn't matter that he's only just met this child because you know as a dad within a millisecond of seeing that child it's the yeah. most important thing in your life so that's bollocks from someone who clearly doesn't have kids mm-hmm. um and so yeah just all of that stuff i just think it i just think it works and i think it's i think it's right and if we can have a bond with an aussie accent then we can have one with a heart who sacrifices himself <laughs> nice and, and also there's the bit about these nanobots that they pass through people so there's also the fact of yeah well he could have just gone and lived on an island but eventually he would have touched enough people that those nanobots would get to them and kill them off so yeah he couldn't he could never save them yeah um, but the whole point of the weapon is it will kill that person just given enough time um, I'll save my alternative view on this for my summary. I think. <laughs> okay, nice. Okay, but yeah, I I think all all of that I agree with. And yeah, it's an interesting take as well. I think, yeah, I think he's he almost processes like everything is catching up with him, uh, all this stuff, and he's kind of maybe redeeming himself or feels like this would redeem himself, but also at the same time is I. To, to sort of took away from it was he feels like perhaps that he's if he carries on then he's also going to bring his family and now daughter into the fray quite a lot you know Blofeld uh, you know is a example of a villain that would have perhaps gone after the family to get to Bond and that sort of trope that again has been used in not just Bond films but films in general um, but yeah I, I thought yeah it's still still taking a while to process i'm i'm still also okay with it i think i you know you're treating these five films as just a self-contained 
story arc from the rest of the 20 other Bond films that haven't done that at all, really. They've mentioned previous films perhaps before, but never to the to the length that they've done now, where they almost are linking in each film links into its previous film in some way, shape or form. Um, so I, I can deal with that. And I think the fact it's it's the 25th film as well. And why not? You could do that. And we mentioned this, I think, when we come out, because, you know, we, we were a bit lost for words as we were processing it um, straight out of the cinema. But, you know, other franchises have, have done this and, you know, look at Matrix. I mean, Matrix is coming back and, and Neo, you know, spoiler for <laughs> random spoiler for Matrix. Uh, uh, if you have <laughs> while you listen to it. But, yeah, he dies in the in the third one. Um, and, you know, he's back. And I know it's a sci fi and you can get around it in some ridiculous plot thread like that. But point being is franchises can come back. Bonzi is an easy franchise to reboot. You just in the sense of you get a new actor and just start again. And pretty much what Casino Royale did, you, you could do that again and kind of go down a different route with Bond there. People are still going to see it. I don't think people are going to go, right, he's dead and that's it. I, I've been processing whether I'd be happy if the franchise stops now for some time with that or at least stopped altogether. I think, I mean, the, the diehard Bond fan of me would always want an extra Bond film because why not um but i think i'd be content if it did end like that because it ends in such a great way for the character i think he like you said already he progresses from casino royale to being just a cold-blooded killer and and progresses into a father and you know has a partner that he loves so um yeah as it stands now i i have no issue with it um I am very interested to see. I mean, there is always talks about who's going to be the next Bond. So no doubt there'll be another one. There's too much money in James Bond for there not to be another film. Um, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But you could start with a reboot and I and you know, with a new actor. And I, I guess pending on the actor, but I'd, I'm still going to see the film. It's not going to deter me. You know, big, big characters have died in franchises like, you know, Iron Man and various other franchises I can't think of right now. But Bond will be fine. The franchise won't die. He'll he'll yeah. they'll be back again, and you know it will carry on as normal. And and you're right. There's there's plenty of films where where the main character is dead, and there's prequels to it, and it, it tells a different yeah. different part of that character's life. There's there's no reason why that can't be um, the case. The only continuity, well, no. So. Blofeld died before and he's back. So yeah, true. Like, why can't Bond come back? He can, and he will. <laughs> yeah, of course he will. Exactly. Um, before we go on to our summary score and, and then our ranking, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Um no, I don't think so. No. All right, let's go, let's go to it then. Um, so I'll go to you first then. So for your kind of brief summary and then your score and then after that i'll do mine and then we'll do our ranking so yeah over to you for your summary um i i loved it all in all i absolutely loved it um considering how much i dislike on her majesty's secret service <laughs> it's it's amazing how you know how it's so similar to that film yeah um there's so many references to it 
um but it's just it's just told much better (laughs) (laughs) um i i think the plot is okay Mm um i don't think the baddies are particularly great um yeah we've we've covered all that but there's a minor a minor touch that actually i think then makes the brilliant parts of this film even even better yeah and the the development of bond as a character is is just so so good and it's kind of the pinnacle of craig really telling the in-depth story of bond and and him as a person and just create this this amazing character who's much more than just this kind of superhero that we all love because he's yeah. shagging and drinking and shooting and stuff yes and um, the the character relationships and the dynamics between all of the characters are just brilliant in this it's so action-packed it's probably two of the best car scenes <laughs> from the franchise that does the best car scenes that there ever there ever was yeah amazing action-packed set pieces just loads of them um i yeah the the whole death the whole death thing he had to die because he's got a daughter and Mm. and you it wouldn't work bond with a daughter wouldn't work i don't think um yeah or even a wife I i don't i don't think that that bond with a family works so that's fine he has it and then he dies and it's okay and we reboot and then he goes back and who knows what what happens in the next ones um but i would have disliked it i think i would have worried about the next film if he had stayed alive and he'd had a wife and kid um because i don't want them to die either and they would have <laughs> they would have had to because it's not it can't be happy i know i said a moment ago that it'd be interesting to know and i think it would be but it could almost turn into like a bloody sitcom. Oh, yeah. Bond's, Bond's done it again. Look out, kids. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you're probably right. It's probably not an avenue to yeah. go down. Yeah. Um, so the, the flip side of my view on the death, the whole Bond dying thing, mm. is I think it's quite selfish of, of this team around Craig Bond and and telling that story because killing off bond is a one-time thing mm. it's it's popping a balloon you can never that's the one thing that you can never redo that you can never kill bond again mm. that that wouldn't work and i feel like why do they think it's with their right to to kill off bond and do do it now um knowing that there is going to be further bonds and stuff it's not the end of the franchise they made it very clear it's not so why why them why are they giving themselves that privilege to to do that i think it's a bit selfish and a bit self-indulgent of them to do that um almost trying to make a massive statement as well to always be remembered um Mm. rather than just you know it's a brilliant film and it would have still been a brilliant film without Bond dying. Mm. It could have had an alternative ending. I just, that's the kind of the flip side of my, my view on that whole okay. thing. Um, but it's 10 out of 10. 
<laughs> I thought it would be. It's, it is, yeah, yeah. And I know I only watched it two days ago, and <laughs> I need to watch it again and mull it over. But but fucking, hell, I came out of the cinema and literally I was just thinking in my head, that's the best fucking film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I've, calmed, I've calmed down slightly, yeah, slightly since then. But but seriously, it's it's the best film I've seen in a long time. Nice. And and not not only because it's a Bond film and fuck me, I was nearly in tears at the end with uh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's Bond and he's got a little daughter and it's like it was too much. I was very tired as well because it's very <laughs> yeah, right. um but no, it's it's a it's a brilliant film and I will definitely go and watch it again in the cinema. And like you know, I'm not a cinema goer, which probably I should be removed from all of your podcasts for that fact, but um, well, I wasn't yeah. going to say it, but you've, you've shared it now, so hate is going to hate. But every reason why I don't like the cinema was proved correct in our in our viewing. It's yeah, probably <laughs> worth sharing that. Yeah, it was an awful screening because about an hour in, two women just walked in, just looking for a seat in the dark. Um, while loads of exposition was going on, I was like, and then they sat down for ten minutes and then left. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? That's probably why I don't know what's going on because they're just focusing on these idiots trying to find a seat. Anyway, yeah. anyway, yeah, killed it. Yeah. So uh, even with that, ten out of ten. Um, yeah, yeah, so good. Nice. Go on, nice. you, you. What do you think? So pretty much agree with with all of that. Um, I'll get the negatives out of the way. Blofeld cut him out he shouldn't have been in it at all um bionic eye was ridiculous it did make me laugh though and probably for the wrong reasons but um yeah it wasn't i wasn't a big fan of that um the plot is as i said not essentially why i'm not you know one of the main things i'm there for for a bond film but that being said it it was a bit confusing probably on a second watch I, I think maybe not confusing, but just there's a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of people in different places and that sort of stuff. So maybe the second watch may be better. Um, but again, not necessarily what I'm here for. Um, positive stuff. Every, I think there wasn't maybe other than the, what was his name? Primo, the actor kind of henchman. Yeah. Um, I didn't think he was that great from an acting perspective, but pretty much everyone was on top form. Everyone was really good from an acting uh, view. Cinematography is stunning. The intro is incredible. It's probably one of the best. I'd have to double check, um, probably for the Craig films at least. Um, Anna Diamas, stunning. Oh, just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> all the action set pieces are great. Great fun, some great one-liners, but I can only remember one, but I'm, I chuckled a few times in this film yeah, as well, which yeah. is always good. Um, theme tune is great. Title sequence is great. Uh, ending, like you, was, you know, I had to kind of cover my eyes so we did make awkward man eye contact <laughs> So we, while we're like uh, slowly man crying uh, towards the end. But yeah, it's just so invested in it. It's just like jokes aside, was really invested in it, which is emotionally invested in it which is a rarity i think for for bond films because you don't necessarily associate that with that it's more the spectacle and the over the topness of it all um but yeah really really caught up in it um so i've i've given it a nine out of ten 
Um, it has the potential to go to a 10 out of 10. I think maybe a second viewing and, you know, calming down of the buzz and the high of, of coming out of it. I mean, I will, you know, say now this has been the highlight cinematic experience of the year so far. Now I know cinemas haven't been open all year. I think they've been open since May, so, but I have seen my fair share. Um, <laughs> <laughs> believe me. Um, and it's just that that feeling is just is the reason I go to the cinema, just coming out stunned and just talking about it with a fan like yourself and just be like, well, what the fuck have I seen? And processing it all and taking the journey home to really think about what does it mean? Like, where does it go from here? And that sort of stuff. That is the reason I love films, really. Um, so I've given it a nine because there aren't there are things I don't like about it. Probably on a second in viewing, they might just be things I don't give a shit about and it is a 10 out of 10, or it may go the other way. But from a pure emotional standpoint, it absolutely took, took my breath away, really. I, I didn't expect it at all. I thought it was just going to be potentially just a by-the-numbers Bond film. I think as well as a kind of caveat is how far the franchise has come. If you think the previous Bond film, Brosnan's last was Die Another Day considered and by me and probably by you the worst Bond film yeah. and now we've got I mean perhaps Quantum I know I'm not a fan of Quantum I think we're both not a fan of Quantum actually but we've got some five fantastic films you know a lot of money behind it we've got a really good Bond film the franchise is best that has ever been I think um, and it's come from the fact that Die Another Die Another Day was so shit. So we've got a lot yeah. to thank for Die Another Day. We've got these five films to thank. I've got, of the five films, I've got three tens and a nine from Craig. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. You know, they're, they're, they're just so good. And I don't think any other Bond film, has, Bond actor, sorry, has had such a consistent line of, of films. Yeah. Um, I think Quantum was an unfortunate misstep, but, you know, straight after that, we got Skyfall. So... You know, swings and roundabouts, but I think overall, it's just it's done such wonders for the franchise. Daniel Craig is just like a household name now. Um, and another thing is, is probably you know it's the film that cinemas needed to get people back in seats again because if you know when you look and book a screening, most of the screens are full. That you know ours was full. Yeah. Um, I've seen just just out of interest looking at other screens they're just all full so all that money going back to cinemas is just great to see considering covid and all that stuff i think it's the film that that tenet wanted it to be it wanted to be the film that brought people back in the cinema but this has just absolutely been the film that everyone's going to see you know i've pushed on to my parents like just go see it just go see it you know it's yes it's a long film but it will whiz by yeah, and just you. everyone's going to see it so yeah i loved it you know like you said i'm gonna see it again this week and that in itself is a rarity i don't often see films a second time at cinema i'll just wait until it's out on home release but oh man what a film such a such a good film a lot better than i thought it would be so it's a nine out of ten for now but it has the potential to creep up so we'll see um so Going back to you then for ranking. So obviously we've done our Bondathon, the 24 films that yep. precede this one. Where does this rank? Your 10 out of 10, because you've got a few, a few 10 out of 10s. Where does I this do. rank, <laughs> uh, rank amongst the, uh, the rest of them? 
I got I got six ten out of tens. Oh, fly me! <laughs> I fucking love I fucking love Bond. Um, <laughs> and yeah, half of those Daniel Craig. So this this is in my top three now. Oh, wow! At number three. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, run through your top five then, quick then. Top five: Goldeneye, Goldfinger, No Time to Die. Casino Royale, Spectre. Wow. So a lot of Craig up there, which is good. Love a bit of Craig. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so mine, mine's so tough. I had to put it somewhere and I, I'll probably change it later this evening. <laughs> I've put it as my sixth favourite for now. But I think that's probably going to change on a second viewing. Um, so my top five as it is, is I've got Casino Royale, Goldfinger, License to Kill, Spy Who Loved Me, Doctor No, and then No Time to Die, which is before Skyfall, I will say. I do. Pref- I think my hot take is I I'd slightly prefer this than Skyfall. The, the only thing is I'd say maybe why it's there is this is the only one film I've seen once at the minute. I've only seen this yeah. film once. I've seen every other one at least twice, obviously. Um, and some of those ones, Doctor No, I've seen God knows how many times. And it's the first one. So there's things like that, that the No Time to Die isn't going to have over certain films. So but, for me... Yeah, go on. I, I was ready to stick it even higher. Right. Um, but... Goldeneye and Goldfinger have have so much history and there's so much nostalgia in them that okay. they do, they just mean so much. But I think on first viewing of this film, I think it was the one that maybe impressed me the most. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And that's why it's slightly lower down is... You know, No Tone to Die doesn't obviously have the nostalgia value that the others do because it's only it's only just come out. Um, so you know, over time, it's it's definitely going to reach those those levels. I think the fact that you know a film we've only seen two days ago is so high out of the list of twenty five is enough said, kind of really. Um, you know, ahead of Skyfall, it's even ahead of Goldeneye for me, which I know is a more is your number one. Um, but it, I think purely on an emotional level, what I got out of a Bond film is 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 what's put it so high. Um, it has the potential to to go higher. It definitely does. I think there are ones like Goldfinger that's going to contend harder with because it's a film that I've seen so so many times and is the blueprint of what Bond films are. So yeah, it's, it's number six. I think. I'm going to watch it again this week and it could change. So ultimately I'm just so, so glad that a film that ended, uh, you know, sorry, a film that's the, the actors last is, is so good because generally looking back, they're not always their best. Diamonds are forever. Not great. Uh, View to a kill. Not great. Um, Die another day. Fucking shit. <laughs> so, um, the on a Majesty's Secret Service, awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the fact it's ended on such a high is, is as a Bond fan, is is a, is 
so so good it's just so good to see that franchise and has done so well imagine imagine if they killed off bond and the film was shit <laughs> yeah exactly you've been such a dud and you just be walking out going right yeah okay but there's one there's one there's one thing actually that i that annoyed me in the film is that m is kind of responsible for for stuff going wrong and he he was involved in that they didn't need to do that 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 annoyed me m ah uh, right yeah M doesn't, yeah, keep keep things under wraps and and fuck up like that. Oh, what the whole Heracles thing? Yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, they kind it's of made him to be, be him a little bitch there. I yeah, thought. yeah, no, didn't need that. No, um, but I love the return of all the cars though. There's best there. The Aston V8 comes back and. <sighs> yeah, that's one thing we talk about. But the, the cars are just absolutely stunning as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah, I just, I just wish, I want them to play my top three in the cinema again. Just imagine oh. that. Golden Eye, Goldfinger, and No Time to Die all in the cinema at the same oh, time. Oh man, bloody good be, day, isn't it? Like, abs- even just the Craig films now, because they yeah. are so good. Just seeing them again at the cinema would be would be great. Thanks again for doing coming on to do the the Bond review. Couldn't do it with anyone else really after doing the massive lengthy Bondathon with yourself. Yeah. So. Thanks again for coming back. Hope you've uh, enjoyed doing the whole Bondathon as well. Yeah, loved it. Um, uh, there's still the potential to do those unofficial Bond films as well. So if we've got the time to do those, I've let's try and do watched, them. I've watched Casino Royale, the original. Ah, yes, you said yeah. So I I still haven't. So I need to get around to those and and never say never again. Which I know you're a big fan of, or at least seen a few times, right? <laughs> Yeah, I've seen it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so perhaps I'll get you on uh, sometime down the line, but we yeah go through both of those films in an episode if you're up for it. Yeah, cool. Perfect. All right, well, thanks again, and um, I'll catch you again soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Cheers, mate.